Hello, everyone. This is Sal from Bitcoin Taxes. Welcome to our podcast. Each episode, we speak to an expert with knowledge related to cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. Today, we'll be talking to Matt Metris. We'll be talking about the cryptocurrency infrastructure bill. Matt, thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Sal. Yeah, Matt. And you've been on the show many times, but can you give a little background about your experience in the crypto space? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I started practicing in the crypto space. I guess I did my first tax return in 2015 for the 2014 season. Uh, and I took my payment for that in Dogecoin. So I've been around the block a couple of times. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I recently I sold that Dogecoin earlier this year, but way, way too early, unfortunately. So I, I remember take, talking to you about it. <laughs> don't take investment advice from me. Just way, way too early, though, or not, you know, maybe not because it went down so much. Right. It did. It did. But I, I, it hasn't. I, I think I sold around nine cents. So we'll OK, OK, OK. <laughs> well, I think I bought in at 50 cents. So there you go. There, so it averages out. <laughs> Awesome. So yes, yeah, so I'm fresh off uh, fresh off a of vacation while while they were passing uh, an infrastructure bill in the Senate, and I was trying to keep tabs on Twitter. So um, yeah, well, you're the guy we want to talk to, you know, to figure out what's going on. A lot of people are talking about it. There's a lot of maybe fear about it, and maybe misunderstanding, and there's just a lot of information there. So I guess my first question to you is: Can you just give us a little overview of the infrastructure bill as a whole? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's what it sounds like. It's infrastructure, it's roads, it's bridges, um, ports of entry. There's some broadband in there. Basically, uh, President Biden came out of the gate and said, we're going to do all of this stuff. And this bill right now is about a trillion dollars of spending. Uh, and about half of that is quote unquote new spending. They say the other 500 million or so was already slated to be spent, but uh, now it's all in one place in this package. And this was pretty much the bipartisan part of the bill. And then, um, you know, Biden has greater infrastructure plans in things that maybe loose, more loosely fit the definition of infrastructure, like childcare and things like that. And that's going to be in the budget bill uh, that also just recently passed the Senate. So both these bills have passed the Senate at this point, but still have to pass the House before the president can sign them. So this bill, about a trillion dollars, uh, passed the Senate with 69 votes to 30. So it has uh, support from both sides. And it's what we typically think of as, as infrastructure when that word pops into your head, basically repairing bridges and, and things like that. Yeah, so a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like when, when I hear broadband, I'm like, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's get more broadband everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we saw that a, a ton during the pandemic, uh, you know, especially yeah. for rural areas and, and kids who are trying to go to school on Zoom and they they had to go sit in their car at the, outside in the school parking lot just yeah. to get on Wi-Fi, you know, so yeah, that's absolutely. the kind of thing that we're, that the bill is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but with all bills, uh, they need to be paid for somehow, right? And uh, in some earlier drafts of this bill, there was, uh, you know, wealth taxes, raising taxes on the super rich, uh, ramping up IRS enforcement to try to close some of the tax gap. Uh, which is like the difference between the amount of tax owed and the amount of tax actually paid. Uh, and all those things sort of fell flat. Uh, and, and one area where it seemed like it seemed like an easy target uh, was cryptocurrency taxes. And the Congressional Budget Office decided, uh, and one thing to note is they haven't really shown their math on this uh, on where the number came up from. Uh, but they, they estimate they can get 28, 29 billion dollars in revenue uh, from unpaid cryptocurrency taxes hmm. um, as a result of this bill. And, you know, you and I both work in the industry. We know people are paying their taxes. And, and really, the, the problem is, is they need help with how. Yeah, uh, It's not a matter of if. But yeah, so the, they believe, the Congress believes uh, that this will produce 
28 to 29 billion dollars to pay for some of this infrastructure. I would love to see the math on that. That that sounds like a very interesting number. So like you said, it would be interesting to see the math on that and to see if yeah. it actually pans out. Yeah, I've heard um, industry estimates. Some uh, some folks at CoinDesk said the number is probably closer to 500 million, hmm. uh, which is a fraction. And then recently, Commissioner Reddig, Commissioner of the IRS, testified before Congress that uh, the unpaid cryptocurrency taxes are one trillion dollars a year, wow. um, which is you know almost the same as the worldwide market cap. So that's some more math I'd like to see there. But that's if we use if we use imaginary numbers, it's easier to justify the spending. Yeah, that's true. So basically, they added this um, this crypto provision, and they thought it was going to be smooth sailing. But mostly, what it does is just um, requires 1099 reporting, and we see that. In the securities world, you know, when you're trading stocks, you're trading your Google stock and you go on, you know, E-Trade or whatever, um, you'll get a 1099 from them at the end of the year and it'll show your your proceeds, it'll show your basis. Um, and it's pretty easy to input into your tax software and, you know, you pay the tax on the difference. And in the crypto world, um, we don't really get those 1099s because it's much more difficult uh, to keep track of that basis information. If, mm-hmm. if I only used Coinbase, for example, if I buy my 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 Bitcoin on Coinbase, I sell my Bitcoin on Coinbase. Sure, they know that information. They have it all there. Um, and that's why we see some platforms, you know, like Robinhood and those where you can't transfer your crypto off, they'll send you a 1099. Uh, but for the most part, Coinbase uh, and every other exchange, and these are just the centralized exchanges, though DeFi is a whole different problem. Uh, the centralized exchanges, you can get your reports that say how much is sold, but the figuring out the basis is, is you're on your own, which is why um, you know, it's the kind of work that I do. It's the kind of service that you provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have to figure this out, especially if you're the big difference is if you're if you have Google stock, I can't transfer that Google stock to my ledger and keep it in my house. Right. <laughs> that, yeah. That's the big difference. So there's always someone with custody of your shares when you're when you're trading in securities. And that's not the case in crypto. Um, so from a technical standpoint, there's, there's going to be some issues with this. But um, sort of the narrative of the bill uh, we found out that the, the crypto industry can mobilize very quickly. Uh, our friends at Coin Center, um, you know, did a lot of work advocating on behalf of the crypto community. Um, and this bill got held up for several days uh, because of the 1099 reporting requirements. And not for the reasons that I just mentioned, but mostly it was a matter of who was required to report the 1099s. And, and um, you know, the definition what they used was broker and the mm-hmm. way they defined broker encompassed pretty much everyone. It encompassed miners, validators, uh, software, hardware providers, um, DeFi exchanges, pretty much everything would be required to file a 1099. And if we're, you know, say I'm Ledger and I create a hardware wallet, I have no idea what your social security number is or what mm-hmm. your basis information is going to be. So I can't provide that 1099. Which then it was kind of, making it sound then like DeFi would, would have to start doing like KYC and stuff like that. Is that right? Exactly. So, yeah. so the DeFi would have three options really would be to do KYC somehow mm-hmm. would be to move completely outside of the United States or would be to operate illegally. And yeah. so a lot of crypto users uh, saw this as an end around on, you know, the DeFi world and, and on cryptocurrency in general, I think mm. it's more of a Hanlon's razor type thing where, it's just not well understood. Yeah. Um, and um, 
there were senators to destroy DeFi. It doesn't seem like they're they're probably not trying to destroy DeFi. Maybe there's one or two people in there trying to destroy DeFi, but generally, like you said, it's a more of a misunderstanding than anything, right? Yeah, it's just coming from a place of of trying to to regulate something you don't understand. Yeah. Um, and we saw that and, and, and Senator Ted Cruz and it's, you know, <laughs> it's not super often that Senator Ted Cruz and I are on the same page about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he said, you know, we need to get the crypto provision out of there. He, he introduced an amendment, um, said we need to just strike the crypto provision and take the time to understand this stuff and, and regulate it correctly. Um, but that ended up, uh, being a non-starter because they needed the funds to pay for uh, the infrastructure. Uh, there were two other groups of senators that introduced competing amendments. Um, there was one specifically that exempted proof of work consensus mechanisms, but no other consensus mechanisms. Uh, and that got a lot of flack for, for highlighting, um, you know, or picking winners and losers, right? Um, you know, who says proof of work is the best consensus mm -hmm, method. Mm -hmm. Clearly not the, you know, the Ethereum 2.0 people, they're going to disagree with that. Uh, and then there was another reversion of that amendment that exempted both proof of stake and proof of work, but no other consensus mechanisms. And as we know, those are the two most popular, mm -hmm. uh, which is probably why they did it that way. But there are others um, thinking like the Helium network, for example, doesn't use that, that method when they're giving their block rewards. Uh, and then a different group of senators put forward an amendment that that made it much more clear that said you know the intent is not to get these miners and validators and hardware providers like caught up in this um and that also failed so it, on a technicality uh there were no amendments allowed in the bill so right now the bill that passed the senate um requires DeFi miners validators all of these things to be providing 1099 starting in the year 2023 uh, that doesn't mean the fight is over, but as it passed the Senate, these things are required. It will next go to uh, the House of Representatives uh, and the Congressional Blockchain Caucus, uh, which is very active in the House, has already been reaching out to Speaker Pelosi, uh, requesting uh, amendments to change the language in here. So we'll have to see. The House is on recess for another uh, two weeks or so. They come back August 23rd. So we'll see how quickly uh, they pick this bill up after coming back into session, and then it'll be sort of game on again uh, for the crypto community and, and advocacy work. Uh, but as of right now, it's sort of a holding pattern. Now, I'm curious, there's kind of two things going on here, right? Like one leads to the other. The the having to issue the 1099s for better tax reporting, that's kind of like the goal of the bill. And then that leads into then, you know, DeFi and all these miners and everybody having to get the social security number, provide KYC, which is unreasonable. So let's say they amended the second part of that, where they're like, okay, if you're a DeFi platform or if you're a, a miner or broker, you don't have to do the KYC. We're not asking you to do the KYC. Maybe that won't happen, but let's say they got rid of that part. Do you think that first part where they're still expecting every other non-decentralized exchange to, to do a 1099, do you think that's going to stick the 1099 part? I do. I yeah. do think that's going to stick. I, I, and I've been telling clients for the last couple of years, like I would be surprised if the IRS is not reporting 1099 information on this by the time the statute of limitations runs out on your return. Um, we, we can see that the crypto community is mobilizing um, around this definition of broker, right? And, and for good reason, because it's terrible. The language in the bill is terrible. It's harder to disagree with reporting 1099 in general. That part still has problems. 
but there aren't going to be as many people as upset about it as you know if it were to shut down DeFi or something like that. Yeah. The, the problem here is, let's say um, you know I, I buy a, a Bitcoin on Coinbase, I transfer it to my hardware wallet, yeah, I leave it there for two years. Um, you know, I've been engaging in all sorts of transactions. I transfer a different Bitcoin to Gemini because I want to sell it. Um, Gemini is going to have no idea what my basis is. Mm -hmm. So they're going to report, theoretically, they're going to report zero or they're going to report it blank or they're going to report some random number based on, um, you know, the, the market so, value at the day I, I transferred it on. Right. Exchange. We just don't know how they're going to do it. Right? Which, is, so, which is completely different than what the reality is of, of that transaction. Right, exactly. And, and even if I don't self-custody, if I transfer from Coinbase to Gemini, I just transfer that Bitcoin because I'm going to sell it. Coinbase is supposed to be providing Gemini with the basis information. Um, that's a little more cleaner. Maybe that will work a little better. Um, but when that basis information is unavailable, the, the real question is what's going to happen on the IRS computer side. So if I go ahead and file my return with the correct information uh, and then they get this 1099 that doesn't match what I said because it's wrong, which we, we've seen time and time again with the 1099Ks yeah. uh, that some exchanges were doing and they stopped because uh, the 1099Ks were just so bad. Uh, and the number of messes I've cleaned up for clients who reported everything correctly, but got a 1099K that was wrong. Um, you know, it's unfortunately it, it's job security for someone like me. Right. But I don't want that. Uh. I want, I want to do the work that needs to be done for the clients, not do work because the IRS can't get their act together. So like you said, I mean, these exchanges are notoriously bad at certain forms of reporting. I mean, like you said, there were 1099Ks that were being produced and some of them were including fees in the proceeds that people made. So they would sell something for $5,000. They would have paid a fee of a of hundred dollars. And you know, that's a proceed of $4,900, not $5,000 because you paid that fee there, but they would report it as the full 5,000. So that was one instance of seeing how these 1099Ks were flawed. Um, another thing that comes to mind, and I'm not trying to like drag certain exchanges here, but like Robinhood, for example, which is not universally loved really in many spaces, but <laughs> you know, when you export their data, there's two forms you can export. You can export a CSV that doesn't show the cost basis, I believe, of a crypto that you have, or you can export a PDF, which does have that information, or it doesn't have the volume, I think, the CSV, the volume of the coin. You have to export a PDF file that has that information. And it's like, what? Why not just add that to the CSV, the volume of the coin that somebody traded? And as we both know, you know, exchanges will change their reporting formats uh, on a whim. Yes. Uh, sometimes, you know, with no notice and, and you go to use a file and all the stuff's in the wrong mm -hmm. spot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it, maybe 10 years from now, I, you know, a lot of tax practitioners will tell you when they first started reporting basis for securities, it was a giant mess too. Hmm. Um, but this, the, the, just the opportunity that taxpayers have to get themselves into an even bigger mess by self-custodying things um, is going to make the next several years of this. And, and again, it wouldn't start until 2023, uh, but it's going to make it very messy, right? Maybe 10 years later, we're going to have all the bugs figured out and there's going to be a centralized repository for um, reporting basis and that sort of thing. And that, that's, again, for centralized exchanges. When we get into the DeFi, they don't even know who the clients are. You don't even know who you're, I mean, you're not even really trading with anybody. You're trading, you know, against a um, automated market maker. And, and a little liquidity pool. So there, there is no counterparty there to issue the forms in a lot of cases. Um, and it's 
it's going to be really ugly. I think. I'm curious though, like as I mentioned, you know, if they kept the first thing, the 1099s, that's understandable. They they have people they can hold accountable. If you're Coinbase, if you're Gemini, there's a, a person there, like you just said, that could be held accountable. Whereas DeFi, it's not as easy, and that's what all the people are upset about. They don't want DeFi to to be destroyed by this bill. And so I'm curious if they did remove that second part where DeFi would have to report and do KYC and everything. I'm curious how they would justify that. You know, what would their justification would be like, okay, we, we realize that it's going to ruin this industry and we just can't win. We're not going to be able to collect the taxes specifically from this, you know, DeFi space. Although they are still getting taxes from DeFi transactions. People are still reporting them every day on our software and stuff. Absolutely. Like that, you know, so there people are paying taxes on them, but I would just be curious how advocates uh, for crypto are going to convince them to not have this second part of the bill. Do you have any idea? Like what? Uh, aside from saying, hey, it'll destroy DeFi. I mean, yeah, that's a great idea. Great question, man. It's it's probably above my pay grade and lobbyists that, that have been hired out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine um, too. Yeah. You know, Congress is not especially fond of crypto in general. Um, and and there's all sorts of rumors that traditional finance is lobbying against making any changes to the bill. And that's um there, there's a rumor out there that this amendment died because another senator tried to add defense spending or something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a rumor that he didn't even really care about that. He was just um, you know, has ties to traditional finance and wanted the amendment to die. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's again a rumor. Who knows? Right, right, but, right, right, right. Uh, I mean the crypto community loves having a shadowy figure to yeah, and, yeah. And that shadowy figure very well could exist. I obviously don't know if it does or it doesn't, but I do know it's a very common trope to have a shadowy figure in a lot of communities to blame for you know this. They want us, they want to destroy us. Again, though, I'm sure there are billionaire <laughs> traditional financial people that absolutely want crypto to be destroyed. I just and it, and it's certainly possible that they're working to do that, but uh I feel like most of us in the space know it's impossible to destroy crypto. You know, it seems. Oh like- yeah, and it, it, we we saw that. You know, uh, with the China FUD and and all the mining hash rate that that left China, it didn't it didn't kill the Bitcoin price, right? Like Bitcoin's still alive mm-hmm. uh, despite that. So it's going to live on. It's whether or not um, you know we uh, as Americans, you know, want to be part of that uh, innovation and and the taxation that comes with it. Otherwise, other countries are going to do it. Um, you know, maybe they're going to mine in volcanoes in El Salvador, like they're talking about, but it's not going to be here. Um, and if DeFi becomes even harder to use in the U.S., that's going to hurt um, their tax revenues on top of it. Because mm-hmm. honestly, most crypto traders that I work with are in the DeFi space at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everybody's using DeFi now. And like we just said, they already are paying taxes on it. Maybe just not enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah well, it's that trillion dollars we got to get in there. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about the implications, kind of the TLDR uh, implications it might not take effect until 2023, but we won't know until it potentially passes the House, right? Once it passes the House, then it's good to go. I mean, it has to be signed by the president, but it's, yeah, that's pretty much a certainty. Yeah, deal right. If point, it passes so. the House, then not to be dramatic, but the fight would be lost if it passes the House as is, right? Correct. Correct. Until maybe lobbyists are able to get something else in there to to fix it. I don't want to be a, a downer, you know, but so to speak, the fight would be lost. If it yeah. And lost. it takes, it takes a long time to get these things fixed just because of the partisan nature of mm-hmm. Congress. We saw with the tax cuts and jobs act that passed in 2017. Uh, it took until one of the coronavirus bills to fix this one, what they called the retail glitch uh, because it was just written incorrectly. Um, and everybody knew it was wrong, but they couldn't fix it because they needed a standalone bill or, or new legislation to fix it. And it didn't yeah. get added until um, 
some negotiations. I think it was during the CARES Act. One other thing that that is in this uh, bill would be a $10,000 threshold for reporting any transaction. So um, it's very similar to if you're if you take cash payments. So if you're a car dealership, somebody comes in to buy a car and they throw down $10,000 in cash, uh, that business needs to report that cash re receipt to the IRS. It's an anti-money laundering mm -hmm. uh, kind of provision. So same thing would apply to crypto. It probably applies already. Um, but it's it, this is explicitly calls out crypto and says you have to do it on this. So um, somebody wants to uh, buy 800 Bitcoin tax accounts and they send you 10 grand in, in Bitcoin. Uh, you guys have to report that. Um, well, we just had 799 before the podcast, so we don't. Have, oh yeah, yeah. So it was good. only it was only 9500, so we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving us a rundown on this. Um, like I said, it's kind of a bummer because it seems like there's a lot of good stuff in this infrastructure bill, but as is politics, they just have to insert these bills that you know are hated by the community that we are a part of, and it's just unfortunate that it has to. And it it, it is nonsensical, but. You know, it seems like there's there's not an easy answer to how to solve this from the government and from the IRS's perspective, but it seems like they picked the worst possible way to do it before they were ready to really figure out if it was right or wrong. So I guess we'll just have to kind of see what happens, right? Yeah, that sounds exactly right. Um, and in the meantime, you know, if uh, you have five minutes, uh, call your congressional, your house representative's office and just let them know uh, that the language needs to be changed. So the uh, Tom Emner, who is the... Uh, head of the uh, blockchain caucus has sent uh, every single representative in the house a letter outlining the concerns of the Senate version of the bill and explaining what needs to be changed. So they're in receipt of that letter, call your representative, um, you know, and just let them know that crypto is important to you uh, and you don't want to see it die. Yeah, for sure. Do what you can. All right. Well, Matt, thank you very much for explaining that. It was a great explanation. Really appreciate it. And, uh, as usual, always a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, thanks, Dale. Always a pleasure. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Bitcoin Taxes podcast. You can find out more information about today's guest by going to talk.bitcoin.tax. If you enjoyed today's episode, we would love it if you could give us a positive review on whichever podcast platform you listen to the episode on. Don't forget, you can go to bitcoin.tax for any of your cryptocurrency tax calculation needs. Have a great day, everybody, and thanks again for listening. <music>